In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear family, dear precious children of Providence, for our meditation today on this great memorial of St. Monica, the long-suffering, long-praying mother of St. Augustine, let us, for our meditation today, keep in the back of our minds the timeless adage, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Certainly, St. Monica tried for years and years to get her son to drink deeply from the well of grace of the Catholic Church, to drink deeply from its well of beauty, truth, and goodness. But it was not until St. Augustine himself exercised his free will to drink from that well, that he was transformed and transfigured into one of our greatest saints. So the point of today's reflection is that this same lesson applies to each and every one of us. And the reason the world is currently in the shape that it is in is because leaders outside and inside the church flatly refuse to drink from the well of grace. And we do not hold them accountable. We keep voting for godless representatives who pervert the government. There's a reason why it is being revealed to be the swamp that it is. And we keep, in a very real sense, through our sacrificial tithing, voting for shepherds who abandon us in our time of need, our time of greatest need who threaten priests for homilies longer than five minutes. I wouldn't last five minutes in one of those dioceses. Who cast out faithful priests who speak the truth about the sacrileges committed in the church and against the church. Who finally stand up and say enough is enough. So here's one little preface to our meditation, dear family. When, when we were little, it was hornbook Catholicism that this, where you are right now, is God's house. And where shepherds and sheep went most wrong is when they ignored that truth, that it is God's house, and went into making, went about making it our house. Now listen, dear family, it is God's house. And if you go read Exodus 25-31, as I've encouraged you many, 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 many times, and realize that Jesus went to the synagogues constantly to God's house, you'll better understand the difference between God's house and our house. Almighty God gave us specific instructions about how to build his house and how he wanted us to worship him in his house. And dear family, about St. James of Less specifically, about 120 years ago, the truly faithful parish family sacrificed deeply to build a house fit for who? For us? Heck no. For Almighty God. Every last penny was given to God for his house. Every penny was given to God. So let us get this straight, dear family. It is not your house. It is not my house. It is not the bishop's house. 
It is not the Pope's house. It is God's house. And we only are supposed to be his faithful stewards. And one day we will stand before the real presence and be held accountable for what we said and did in his house. You know, I've talked about it before, the recovators, they're pretty much all dead now. Those recovators who attacked and destroyed God's house are paying for it now in eternity. They took everything that faithful sheep sacrificed to God and wrecked it. Every sacred altar they destroyed, every glorious statue of our blessed mother they threw in the dumpster, every communion rail they broke up and removed, every mural they painted over, everything paid for by the sacrificial tithing of the faithful, they're paying for now in spades in eternity. Because those things, every last one of them, belonged to God. And his wife, for example, Henry VIII is paying for it in eternity. Woe to him who confiscated the entire Catholic Church in England. He stole every last penny from God. And I do not wonder how it's working for him now. Just look what the last 50 years have done to undermine the faith. Some people still don't get it. But the reason we celebrate the holy sacrifice of the mass facing God is because we happen to be in God's house, not our house. We're not sitting around the dinner table. We're worshiping before God's table. None of this is all about us. All of it is all about God. We're not here for fellowship. We're here for worship. And that is where so many shepherds led so many sheep astray. When get this straight, contrary to Vatican II, they took God's house and they turned it around into our house. And I can lead and lead and lead every baptized Catholic horse to this water, to this truth, but I cannot make them drink. So the point of today's reflection is that this same lesson applies to all of us. And the reason the world currently is in the shape it is in is because leaders outside and inside the church flatly refuse to drink from the well of grace and we do not hold them accountable. We keep voting for godless representatives who pervert the government. There's a reason why it's being revealed to be the swamp that it is. And again, we keep in a very real sense through our sacrificial tithing, voting for shepherds who abandon us in our greatest time of need, who threaten priests, as I said, for homilies longer than five minutes, who cast out faithful priests who speak the truth about the sacrileges committed in the church and against the church, and who finally stand up and say, enough is enough. But this is, this is why in the midst of the chaos into which our country descended, has descended, there's no better way to start this day, there's no better way to start the school year than with the words of today's psalm. In you, Lord, I have found my peace. That's why we're here. Because in our Lord is where we find our peace. But have you wondered, dear family, what was the psalmist even talking about? Well, if you read through all of them, there are 150 of them. It doesn't take that long to do, nevertheless. If you read through all of them, you will find that many regard the trials of life. 
And many of the rest of them are all about giving thanks to God for getting the psalmist through the trials of life. So understand this, those words we prayed today, in you, Lord, I have found my peace, were not just some sweet words written whilst whiling away a delightful afternoon sipping iced tea from a hammock. No, those words, in you, Lord, I have found my peace, were written in a time when the trials of life were hammering the psalmist. And he most certainly was not finding peace in the things of this world. The words were written in a time when the trials of life had made the psalmist's life bereft of peace, such that the the psalmist was compelled to conclude, it is in you, my Lord and my God. It is only in you, my Lord and my God, that amidst all the trials of life, I find my peace. And isn't that exactly what Jesus, our Lord, taught when Jesus at the Last Supper said to the apostles, quote, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And isn't, exact, isn't that exactly what the, why the priest prays at every single holy sacrifice of the Mass right after the consecration? Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days. Whereupon then the priest also prays, Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. It's right out of the gospel. But family, as I continuously remind you, all the prayers, all the actions of the Holy Mass, much more so in the traditional form, are like mini homilies, little mini teaching moments about the truths of our faith, which all boil down to the truth of the chaos, applied to the chaos in the world around us. In you, Lord, I have found my peace. So that being the case, why is it then? Why is it then that so many people have so little peace amidst the chaos. Well, we talked about it at the beginning. It's that timeless adage. You can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make him drink. The psalmist understood what the many today do not. There is one way, one truth, one life of peace. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for that way, for that truth, for that life. For Jesus said, Jesus said, they will be satisfied. And the fact of the matter is that deep down, every single one of us is thirsting. But the many drink deeply from godless worldly fonts, whilst only a few will drink from the font of life. And we see this fact confirmed again and again and again when we see people who are most thirsty Not drinking from the font of righteousness, but instead rioting, looting, burning, and shooting. We see it when when Walmart was deemed essential by the secular government, but churches were not. We see it when a thousand people could pack into Walmart 24-7, but only nine or ten were allowed to come to church, to come to God's house. Nine or ten, if even that, because so many were just closed. 
We see this failing to drink from the font of grace when shepherds did not stand up and lead the sheep against the arbitrary decisions of the secular government and speak in one glorious united voice, our communal life of grace is essential. My flock needs to drink from the font of grace and you will not stand in our way. That didn't happen. Is it any wonder then that we continue to see and will continue to see, let's not look through the the world with rose-colored glasses, we will continue to see the endless malevolence and violence spewing forth in our cities. Meanwhile, the media throws rocket fuel on every situation and lights a fire and keeps keeps it burning with all their lies. But the family, while pondering all this last night and researching the chaos that has ensued in Kenosha, not that far away, and again in Minneapolis, pondering all this, let us conclude our meditation using the brains that God gave us by understanding a time-honored principle in tort law, which regards negligence, foreseeability, and injury. Essentially, it goes like this. You will be held responsible for what happens when you, through your own negligence, should have foreseen that what you did would lead to injury. Without going into a couple semesters worth of legal study and analysis, we can understand this principle with a very simple example. You're at a ski hill up at the top and you push a big snowball down the hill and it gathers size and speed while rolling down the hill. Well, you might not have known with absolute certainty that it was gonna bowl over a couple skiers and break some bones or smash into the ski lodge at the bottom and do some huge damage. Nevertheless, your actions constituted such reckless disregard for the natural and probable result of doing something so careless and brainless as to roll that snowball down the hill in the first place, then you are liable. You are responsible for the personal injuries and all the damage that occurs. So dear family, if everyone used the brains God gave them, everyone easily can see that if you engage in rioting, looting, burning, and shooting, personal injury and property damage will result. And more than that, dear family, when rioters, looters, burners, and shooters keep it up, relentlessly keep doing what they do, the natural and probable result will be that ordinary people eventually will push back. Enough is enough. And such seems to be the case down in Kenosha, contrary to the media narrative, where it very much appears that a young man defending property that should not have been attacked in the first place was then placed in a situation where he had to defend himself and people died as the natural and probable result of self-defense. None of it would have happened. None of this would have happened if the Marxists had not gone hand in hand with organized anarchists and rioted, burned, and looted in the first place. They started the snowball rolling down the hill, dear family. They started it, as they have all around the country. And then they have the audacity to complain when the natural and probable results actually happen. As to Kenosha, there may or may not have been justification for police intervention that has yet to be determined. 
The rioters, looters, burners, and shooters have no right to take that law into their own hands. We're not hearing that in the media, are we? We're hearing it from the shepherds. Regardless, even if there was a wrong, two wrongs don't make a right. And our faith makes it clear that there is no excuse whatsoever for more rioting, looting, burning, and shooting. The natural and probable result of incompetent and ineffective secular leadership is that ordinary citizens are forced to resort to self-defense. If you don't believe me, go look at the shelves at every ammo store. They're empty. Why? Because people understand they're being failed. The secular leadership is failing them. There's a reason the census fidelium is that we better stock up on ammo. That should scare us all. So again, if the rioters, looters, burners, and shooters had not engaged in their criminal activity in the first place, and if the secular government had done its job in the first place, think Seattle and Portland, the situation in Kenosha would not have escalated to the point that it did. So who really is at fault? Maybe it's you and me. If we had demanded that Almighty God not be taken out of our government school indoctrination, if 100% of Catholics, not just 25%, would keep the Lord's Day holy, if 100% of Christians started acting like they were, in fact, Christians, if we spent more time in God's house and a lot less time watching sports on TV, maybe none of this would have happened in the first place, certainly not to the extent that it has. You see, because, dear family, the wellspring of grace that we all thirst for, for which we all thirst, the wellspring of grace that we need to drink is here in God's house. The blood and water which flowed from the side of Jesus is here. But as the adage goes, you can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make him drink. And everything we are seeing, dear family, every bit of chaos we are seeing all around us is a direct result of the godlessness of the many who won't drink from the wellspring of grace. Every rioter, looter, burner, and shooter flatly refuses to drink from the wellspring of blood and water our Lord offered from the wound in his side out of his love for us because he knows what's best for us. So as the world continues to crumble all around us, as the many continue to turn a blind eye to the truth, as the many continue to propose godless solutions to problems that were caused by godlessness in the first place, let us at least use the brains God gave us to stand firm in our faith and find our reassurance in the timeless words that the psalmist wrote 3,000 years ago, in you, Lord, I have found my peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.